things to go right for him. When things went wrong, hideously wrong, he had a terrible sense of fate. It would have happened sometime, sooner or later, this way or the other. They got into their coats somehow, and he tried to staunch the blood with his scarf. A doctor, she kept moaning. A doctor or the hospital. He didn't want that. The knife was back in his pocket, and all he wanted was air and to get into the car. The terror of death was on both their faces, and he could not bear to meet her eyes, staring and red, as if the blood were reflected in the pupils. Down the path they held on to each other, staggering past the little bit of earth like a grave, drunk with panic. He got the car door open, and she fell across the seat. Get up, Richard. Get a grip on yourself. We've got to get out of here. But his voice sounded as far off as death had once seemed. The car jerked up the road. Her hands were shaking, and her breath rattled. You'll be all right. It was nothing. That tiny blade. That old girl. That ruby. Too late now. Too late. A blueprint for the last words. Music came out from Cawthorne's house as the car went past. Not a dirge, but music for dancing. The front door stood open and yellow light fell across the puddles. The car went on beyond the cottages where the street lamps came to an end. The road was a tunnel between trees from which water dripped silently, a huge wet mouth that sucked the car along its slippery tongue. Across the light, skirting the puddles, party guests came and went. Presently a young man came out with a glass in his hand. He was full of joie de vivre, but he had already exhausted the possibilities of this party. He put the glass down on top of a diesel pump. There was no one to talk to, except a sharp-faced girl going home, he guessed, because the pubs were shutting. He hailed her, declaiming loudly, Ah, make the most of what we yet may spend before we too into the dust descend. She grinned at him. That's right, dear, she said. You enjoy yourself. He was hardly in a fit state to drive, so he began to walk, buoyantly and in the faint hope of meeting someone rather special. The road to King's Markham yawned at him. He walked along it happily, not at all tired, far away in the distance, in the throat, as it were, of this deep, wet mouth, he could see the lights of a stationary car. What lamp, he said aloud had destiny to guide her little children's tumbling in the dark. A high east wind blowing for a day and a night had dried the streets, and the sky was a hard, bitter blue. Only the daffodils in the florist's window showed that it was April and not December. They looked as smug behind their protective glass as did the shopkeepers and the office workers who were lucky enough to be indoors on this inclement morning. Such a one was Inspector Michael Burden, watching the High Street from his well-insulated observatory. King's Markham Police Station, a building of startling modernity, commands a view of the town, although it is separated from its nearest neighbour by a strip of green meadow. Burden was still thawing out after his cold and miserable arrival ten minutes before. He swallowed the last of the tea Sergeant Cam had brought him. Burden was naturally lean, and his greyhound's face thin and ascetic. Conservative in dress, he was wearing a new suit this morning, 
and with his own sartorial correctness uppermost in his mind, he shook his head distastefully at the figure on the opposite pavement with his long hair and unconventional clothes. He sometimes wondered what men's clothes were coming to these days. Detective Constable Drayton was just one example of contemporary sloppiness, but this, an outlandish jacket of spiky fur more suited to an Eskimo, a long purple and yellow scarf, pale blue jeans and suede boots. Might as well be in Carnaby Street, Burden thought, as he settled down at his desk to read Drayton's report on the theft of some Waterford glass. Not bad, considering his youth and inexperience. Drayton was shaping up well, but there were facts omitted. If you wanted anything done in this world, he thought aggrievedly, you mostly had to do it for yourself. He took his raincoat from the hook and went downstairs. In the foyer with his